lobby and see if anybody wants to come in. So, uh, welcome this morning. Um, you're all spread out. How is everyone? Did y'all have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah? We did too. Yep. Um, over Thanksgiving, I've really been, over the last few days in my own life, um, I'm going to start this off by just telling you a little bit of my story at the moment, and then we're going to talk through how pastoral care works at All Saints, and what we try to accomplish, try to do for and with you, and then talk about some ministries that are in development, um, including one that we're real excited about, a partnership with Respite Care Atlanta, for which we have the formidable and lovely Harriet Schaffer with us today to talk about. Is that a good, that's a good word to describe you, formidable? Is that, is that okay? That's not insulting, is it? I think that's about gets it. You know, Harriet Schaffer's one of those people, when she calls you, you just have to get ready to say yes. You can't say no to her. It's always, yes, of course. Or whenever she calls me, I just want to go, whatever you want, yes. Okay, now tell me. Um, but first of all, uh, my kids are all down for Thanksgiving. I have one who's at Georgia and one who is, she's 24. She lives up in Brooklyn. She's home for a few days. I have a daughter, Olivia, who's a junior at Georgia. I have a son who's just turned 17, who was a junior in high school. And then the way I have uh, one brother, an adopted brother, uh, two brothers, uh, two sisters, and my parents are both still alive and, and both 82, 83. And nothing like the holidays to usher in the, the fact that you are entering into a new phase of life um, because you can go home, um, you take your family home with you, you're intact and you've kind of got your family unit and then your family unit goes home and does its own thing. And in addition to that, um, my mom has really taken a turn and she's, stutter she's um, suffered with Parkinson's disease for about 15, 20 years and it's, it's gone by treated very well and just in the last six months or so has really um, gone into a pretty quick decline and it, it's been during this that I've wished that they had a church community uh, up where they live in Gainesville because they, they kind of don't and I'm actually enlisting the help of uh, two friends of mine, colleagues of mine at Grace Church who, who, who actually know my mom and dad um, to pitch in with pastoral care 
because, you know, my dad sees me as his son, his youngest son, which makes things even worse. Um, but he doesn't really see me as a, as a caregiver. He sees me as his kid. Um, and so sometimes, I was talking to, to Mark about, Mark Shaver about this this morning. Um, I find myself really taking off that youngest son hat and putting on my caregiver hat with my dad and really um, doing for him and my mom what they did for me all these years. Because they could tell you stories. I was not uh, a very smart teenager. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm alive and I'm who I am because of them. And so I'm really getting to experience this firsthand, um, what a lot of y'all have been through and a lot of y'all are going through um, in my life. And um, it makes me think how glad I am that we have a community like this and how glad I am I'm a part of a church uh, in which people care for one another, um, in, in which people really um, have uh, several avenues that, that can help um, with their care and also have uh, a lot of people connected to them via the church community here that can care for them. Um, and so uh, really, we've got three main things we try to do with pastoral care. The first is, is literally keep all of you in communion. Here's Ann Higdon, stand up Ann Higdon. So this lady and her, her folks, her minions, um, including Bob, her husband, takes, does anyone else here a Eucharistic visitor? Um, yeah, Mark. We have Eucharistic visitors who go and take communion to people. But communion goes beyond just, um, and we're gonna talk some more about that in a minute. Communion, being in communion goes beyond um, just the physical act of having communion. It's all about still feeling as if you are a part of the church community, even when you are very sick and not able to be here with us in body, um, even when you are having to be away from this community because you're caring for a loved one, even when maybe you have a loved one who isn't a part of this community who needs care. Um, pastoral care is all about keeping all of us in communion with one another. And we have many ways in which we do that. The other thing um, is we don't want anyone to feel as if they're forgotten in their pain. Um, we work very hard not to let anyone slip through the cracks. And occasionally in a very large church like this, that does happen. And it's something that we, um, when it does happen, that we work very hard to correct and that we are very conscious and intentional about making sure that it does not happen. Our goal is that we have zero people slipping through the cracks. But you know, we're only as good as, as the information that we get. And so I always like to tell people, you know, if you have a friend who belongs to this community who's suffering um, from illness or, um, or, or something that deserves and needs pastoral attention, sometimes you ought to rat them out. And, and just call us up and say, hey, you might go check on so-and-so. Um, and you don't even have to tell us why. Because sometimes then we'll call them and then they'll tell us, and it's completely confidential. We have, we have the same standard of confidentiality as uh, lawyers and doctors and other uh, helping professionals like that. Um, the third thing is that, I alluded to this earlier, we try to be systematic in our pastoral care here. Um, we work together as a team very closely. 
um, to make sure that folks are covered. So um, I want to first talk about really the mechanics of pastoral care here. So it just is not a mystery to y'all. Um, it's nothing really all that, all that mysterious or strange. What do you think is the number one um, avenue for our receiving pastoral information about the community? What's the number one? Yeah. Close prayer requests. So here, a lot of times we'll get pastoral care uh, need for someone via a prayer request. So I don't know if you've noticed, but you should every time you put in a prayer request, and I don't care if it's for your cousin's next-door neighbor's sister-in-law's brother, you should be contacted by a clergy person if you put in a prayer request. And if, and if you don't talk to us, you should get a handwritten note because we believe uh, very strongly in the personal touch. We believe that sometimes folks will call in prayer requests for folks who are even very removed from the community. Um, sometimes I'll call someone up to talk about someone who lives five states over and we wind up talking about other things. And so we want people in that moment of anxiety, that moment of um, need that they feel for their friend or even a friend of a friend to feel that connection with someone from the pastoral staff. And so we work really hard at making that happen every week. I hope some of you have gotten those handwritten notes, and I apologize for my bad handwriting. Um, but I'm a big believer in handwritten notes, by the way. I, I, I try to write at least five a week, even if there's not pastoral things going on. When I was a youth minister, I would write them a lot to, to kids. Just when I heard they did something nice or heard something hard happen or even just said, hey, I haven't seen you in a while, I write them a note. We're big believers in that. Um, we also offer resources, and, and really I liken our pastoral care work um, to triage. Many times people uh, will come to see me or come to see Simon or, or even Zach or Ken um, about a need, and then we'll refer them to someone else. We actually have a, a, a fairly well-vetted list of uh, counseling resources that uh, we can offer up to you. Um, really, the two resources that I'm a big fan of in town are uh, the Training and Counseling Center at St. Luke's, which is just right over there behind St. Luke's. Um, and then there's also the Counseling Center at the Cathedral, and then there's a place called Cal Counseling Center of Georgia. There's a lot of good low-cost resources available, and so sometimes we'll refer people um, out to those things. In theory, um, you really should never go see a pastoral caregiver more than about three times before they say, hey, you know, you probably need to go talk to someone long-term about this, you know. Um, that's just uh, the best practice that we have. And then the last thing, um, and I talked about this earlier, is um, is around confidentiality. We, we um, are called to keep things confidential um, when there's a prayer request called in, we'll sometimes sit and coordinate care. We have a weekly care coordination uh, team meeting where uh, we make sure that um, people who are in need and people who do need pastoral care are getting the care that they need. And our pastoral care team is not just the clergy. It's um, Ellen Hayes is a big part of our pastoral care team. Believe it or not, she gives us more intelligence and more information on pastoral care than anyone because she, she calls folks 
And, and sometimes people will demonstrate that they're very unhappy or, or, or they're um, very dissatisfied or, or very angry through um, their pledge. And she'll tell us about it and we'll call them and say, hey, you know, let's, let's talk about this. Or she'll talk to somebody who hasn't been to church in a while because they'll say something like, well, I've been caring for my sick mother or my sick grandmother, and we'll call. Um, and we also consider uh, Kathy Roberts a part of our pastoral care team because she is um, in and around the families over there, and she hears about things in the community. Recently, um, we, it was brought to our attention, for instance, there's a young man at a community school, um, a children's school where she used to work, who um, is in the beginning, the last stages of um, brain cancer. And so that whole community over there is having to deal with the death of, of one of their contemporaries, which is pretty, you know, um, traumatic and, and also a real opportunity for learning and for care. And so um, Kathy has worked with those folks over there. Simon, whose kids go there, he reached out to the staff there and said, if, if we can be of a resource, please call us. Um, we're also conscious of the children who go there and looking out for them. Um, another thing that we, we really um, have, are careful about doing and we really take seriously is around the holiday every year, um, we contact either uh, through in-person conversation or phone conversation or card everyone who has suffered a loss in the past year in this community. So some of you um, may be on um, the, a part of the group of people in this, this community who are grieving right now um, during this holiday season. And so you should expect to hear from one of us um, during this season. Um, because, you know, this, this time of year can be hard, and, and you may actually want to have more conversation with somebody. So if you get a call from me or Simon or Zach or Ken, and, and you really feel as if you need to have more than a, a telephone conversation, please, you know, let us know. Any one of us will meet any one of you anywhere uh, for coffee or in our office um, to talk about walking beside you um, during this time of grief. And then another thing that we have here um, is that we, we practice pastoral care um, in the form of uh, walk-in outreach. And this is something that needs a lot of work in this community. I could spend my entire week just dealing with the need of people who walk in from the street by knocking on our door. We have a, a fairly generous offering every year called the Stern Fund. Um, it comes from a few different places in honor of Martha Stern. That's our walk-in assistance fund, but it's not nearly enough. And we don't um, really have a systematic approach to helping people. Most of what the Stern Fund goes for is um, emergency uh, rental assistance and utility assistance, um, and sometimes things like um, bus tickets home, because folks will get stuck here. Um, which leads me to, to the last thing. Um, we all share in pastoral care ministry here. This is not just uh, the job of the clergy, because I don't know if you know this, but in the Episcopal Church, we believe in the priesthood of all believers. Now, some people are called to be priests to do real specific things, but you who are not ordained have uh, many more and wider options for ministry in the church than we do. And all of us are called to care for one another. It, it, it shows up in scripture time and again 
that we are called by Christ to care for one another in our times of need and in our times of sorrow and to comfort one another. Um, We're going to talk about respite care in just a second, um, but a few of the lay ministries that we already have uh, that have wound up being uh, very valuable to this community and and a really wonderful part of our pastoral care for this community um, are Sunday callers. Anybody know what Sunday callers do here? Anybody a part of Sunday callers here? Ooh, I want to, yeah, there you go. Tell them about Sunday callers. It's a small thing, but it's also a, a really significant thing that we do for folks. Anyone here gotten Sunday caller flowers before? I have. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, we take the flowers from the altar. We rearrange them into vases and take them out to folks. When my aunt died, um, I went to the front door, and there was a vase of flowers sitting in front of my front door from Sunday callers. And I had a real moment. I, I got very emotional. You know, that, that people here really uh, thought of me and, and thought to bring those to me. We also have um, eCare. Anybody on the eCare intercessory prayer list? Yeah, Mark, tell them about the eCare intercessory prayer list. And, you know, if you want to call in a prayer request and you don't want it on eCare, you can just tell us, please don't put this on eCare, and we won't. Because sometimes people don't want stuff on eCare. Most of the time, you know, why would you want less prayer than more? Uh, yeah. It's amazing that I've heard stories from other folks in the eCare um, email intercessory prayer ministry that they'll read a name of someone that they don't know and then they'll meet that person later and say, oh, you know, I prayed for you a couple of weeks ago. Um, folks from eCare list will come up to me, have come up to me lately with uh, my mom being ill and say, how's your mom? And so see, in that way, uh, my mom is brought into the communion of this place and we keep one another in communion because then we can check up on one another. If someone that you're close with shows up in eCare, you know, what are you going to do? You're probably going to call them. So if you want to be a part of eCare, how do they join that, Mark? Pack Kylie. Yeah. Yeah, it's a Yahoo group run uh, right now. Uh, Mary Lou Majonier sent it out, and um, you, can, you can easily become a part of that intercessory prayer uh, work that we do here. Um, <coughs> Prayer requests are emailed in to Pat Kylie or to one of the clergy, and um, we're hoping in the near future with the redesign of our website to have some sort of online um, prayer request reporting function as well. Although sometimes when you open something, something like up to the public, you get some real interesting prayer requests. Um, 
We also have e-care meals. If you have, uh, if, if you, uh, someone in your family or you um, have a surgery or an illness, uh, we like to do this with, with uh, people who have babies. We send them a big frozen casserole. Anyone here help make e-care meals? Be part of that? Yeah. And they're really good, too, I hear. Are they? Yeah. <laughs> they're calories. Um, we also... Um, we also are beginning involvement with, and we're a startup partner with a wonderful organization that I'm working with as well, um, called Respite Care Atlanta. And um, I'll just say, uh, I've, I've gone, I'm going again on Tuesday. I, I'm a part of the music team, and I just wanted to really um, get on a fast track to having All Saints involved. So I play guitar and I sing, and so um, I'm going over there every four to six weeks uh, to, to sing music with. In fact, last time we did, um, and I, I'm probably going to do this again, we did country music. It was uh, Johnny, Patsy, Willie, and um, Hank we did. And it was so much fun. And I'm really proud of the fact that there are many All Saints folks who are already involved there as volunteers. And to tell you more about this, I'm going to call on our friend, Wood Schaffer. Do I just talk in? Yeah. Yes, ma'am. No, it's turned off. Uh, okay, can you hear me? Okay, just a brief background of respite care, and you may have heard this, but um, eight and a half years ago, my husband was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and uh, he's just a renaissance man. He, he could do so many wonderful things, and while he had MCI, which was the book you have before Alzheimer's, there was really nothing for him to, to do. I mean, I tried to find things that he could enter into. We went to art lessons. He went to Rotary. He did this, but he could have given so much, and he could have received so much, and there was nowhere close by that provided any of that. So um, we heard about three or four years ago about a place in Alabama that did this through the church down there, the Methodist Church, and that the, the participants were having a wonderful time. It gave the caregivers a rest, and it was just a wonderful program. So we went to, Charlie and I went to Martha Stern and our friend George Worth, and they embraced the idea for All Saints to, to get into this, and we found out at the same time Julie Wright was doing this at the Peachtree Road Methodist Church. She was looking into it. So we combined forces. And so here we have now started Respite Care Atlanta, which is a little different from the ones that have been going across the state. They're usually done through one congregation. But ours is now eight congregations, including the Temple and the AMC African American Church, and they're along the Peachtree Corridor. And we have formed Respite Care Atlanta. We, were, um, we meet in the bottom of the sanctuary, under the sanctuary at Second Pastor Church. So many things have been gifts from God, really. This space is incredible. It's, uh, it's under the whole sanctuary, and we have an auditorium, a place for lunch, a place of room for activities. And it's just a great space. And so um, we've opened. We've had a soft opening. We now are doing two days a week. We want to go to four days a week from 10 to 3.
the caregiver drops off the participant we call it the club the club member and they stay and they have music they have art they have lectures they have activities they have so many things to do and i just think if my charlie had been able to do this he could have participated he could have you know taught he taught sunday school for a long time he could have done lectures and then when he needed he could have received so much and that's what's happening today it is so exciting and all thanks is really at the heart and soul of this because martha stern gave her purse when she retired and i mean when she was through with her year of interim minister to respite care atlanta and so we and now people have really embraced it and what i want to urge you all to do is to get involved there are so many ways you can get involved you could come and be a greeter you could come and be a a caretaker which you would be with the person you would be responsible for two people for the ten to three but you would you know shepherd them in the different activities or you could serve lunch or you could just share your talent if you could come talk about sports, if you could come sing a song, if you could come teach an art lesson, anything. And I can't tell you how wonderful it is for the club members that are there. They come home energized. The caregivers are so thrilled to have some time off. And it's just a great way to get involved, and it's such a huge need. Now, we have people here who are so involved. We have Charlie Battle, who's vice chair of our board, Dan Davis, who has worked morning, noon, and night. Sue Everett, who's been over there all the time. These people are just, you know, hands-on. And they they are here to tell you any questions you have about how to get involved or anything else. And then I have brochures up here. And if you want to, um, I'll just tell you right now, if you want to go, if you want to volunteer, you go to our website, which is www.respitecareatlanta.org. And then they'll take you step by step on how do you fill things out to be a volunteer. And if you're like me and you're just not wild about doing things online, you can actually email Dale Ridden or Lola Battle, who are in charge of our volunteers, and they will take you through it. And I've got their emails up here. So if you all have any questions, please ask me. And or feel free to ask any of these people who know more than, <laughs> than I do about the day-in, day-out things. So do you all have anything you want to add? Dan? Charlie? Okay, I have... Well, it, it's, it's exciting, and it's so needed. I just can't tell you how badly it's needed. My dream is that it's going to take off for the whole city and and we're going to finally you know have something for all these club members and their caregivers because the numbers are astounding one out of every two by age 85 will have Alzheimer's that's pretty staggering so anyway this is exciting and I've got brochures if you want me to hand them out or I'll I'll pass them out anybody that wants them Charlie do you want to add anything Dan Anybody? Oh, okay. Thank you. Okay, I'm done. No, uh, thank. On behalf of, of respite care, I also uh, Harriet's right. All Saints has it's really in keeping with what 
Tim was talking about has been the heart and soul of this effort. Um, Elizabeth Robertson's on our advisory council. Joanne Dalton, who's here, has helped us a lot in all of our activities and has have made significant financial contributions. And I, I just, one, th one thing I can tell you that I have not been uh, that involved uh, with the day-to-day -day companions. I know how much it means to them. But I had the great privilege to be a greeter early on. I would be the greeter. And, and I can tell you, and then sometimes to say goodbye, and to see these people, some of whom are somewhat reluctant to come. They're a little bit, you know, they may not really want to acknowledge what their situation is or they're not sure what this is. But to see them get involved in these activities and to see them so excited and so enthusiastic and so involved and so active and happy is, is really uh, more rewarding than you can imagine. Dan Davis can tell you more about the day-to-day. -day. But the other thing is I see those caregivers who drop them off and pick them up and to, s to get the sense of gratitude and appreciation that they have because this gives them an opportunity to have a free day but know that their loved one, the one that they're caring for, is in a place where they're safe, where they're being stimulated, where they're involved in activities is just one of the more rewarding things that I've had. So all I want to do is add to Harriet's encouragement to get involved if you can, to thank everyone here at All Saints for everything that you've done to make this worthwhile. And to especially, again, thank Harriet, who really was the driving force about getting all this started. Uh-huh. Please. Can you hear me without the... Okay. I'm Sue Everts, and I've been volunteering at Respite Care, Club Respite Care, uh, almost since the beginning. And I do uh, just an assortment of things, some of which are admin kinds of things, and some of which are actually I serve lunch on Thursdays for the volunteers, not the volunteers, the members. So a few weeks ago, I was serving lunch to one of our members, and I went over to him, and I said, I am bringing you your most favorite lunch that you've had in a long time. So he looked up at me, and he gave me this big smile, and he said, oh, thank you. That's wonderful. He said, you make me feel so special. Mm. And he gave me. So to me, that's what it's all about. You know, when you can go and a member will give you that kind of a smile and give you two thumbs up, that's a priceless gift from one of our members. So I would urge you to look into volunteering, see if it works for you. It's been fabulous for me. Oh, yes, sir. Hi. Every Thursday, I volunteer with Sue. And I, I started out as a greeter and graduated uh, into becoming a companion or a caretaker, where, as Harriet described, I'm assigned two people. And we started out with seven men. I never dreamed what camaraderie and affection would be generated among our club members. Three of them went to Georgia Tech. That helped. But, uh, <coughs> but they love to sit together, joke together, laugh, joke. Um, one club member from uh, Christ the King 
we were playing a cognitive game and uh, said, now, what do you think of when you think of black? And it's just like, we, all right, what do you think of when you think of drinks? And this one guy from Christ King raised his hand and said, martinis, and everybody just roared laugh. So there's a lot of laughter and love among the people. Um, we started with seven men. We're adding three ladies now. So if you know of anybody that might benefit from this experience, um, please let us know. And we particularly need companions, those that serve from 10 to 3. And, it, and it, in the training session, it sounded very onerous to a number of people. It is not. It, it's one of the most gratifying experiences you could ever have. Does anybody have any questions about Respite Care Atlanta or anything um, you'd like to know? There's, there's lots of people around today after this who you can talk to about volunteering um, or if you know someone who, who might um, benefit from being a club member. Um, Tuesday I'm going, Louisa Merchant and I are going and she's gonna sing Patsy Klein songs. <laughs> so I'm really excited. Um, I just wanted to, to fill in a couple of other blanks and then open up for discussion or questions. Um, one of the other needs that's a growing need in the church that um, is really highlighted by our involvement at Respite Care Atlanta is that we have a growing population of folks who can no longer come to church um, because of uh, cognitive issues or mobility issues um, that are a normal part of um, being older or folks who um, have terminal illness. And so we've enlisted the support and the help of two uh, semi-retired clergy people, um, Karen Evans and Denny Moss, um, both of whom um, were uh, career clergy folk um, and both of whom uh, are just, have just been a wonderful resource. Um, I was talking to someone earlier about Karen getting in touch with them. Karen, Karen Evans actually lives at Canterbury Court, and so she's got her ear on the ground there, and she visits several of our parishioners who are on the second floor at Canterbury Court, which is the, the, um, the care floor. Um, she um, goes across the street to Linmont and to Renaissance and really covers that area for us because we probably have, gosh, between those three places, we probably have 10 people who need regular attention. So it's not possible even for the four of us um, to, to do that reasonably. Um, and then there's other folks who live out in various places who, who um, some of whom are living in um, care homes that are closer to their families, but out uh, further out from Atlanta um, that, that Denny will go see. Um, and we, we try to get visits to them um, every four to six weeks, um, if, if not more often. And then I, as the, um, the person in charge of pastoral care, I try to see everyone on our um, home, home visit list about once a quarter. But again, you know, you guys are the eyes and ears. If you know of somebody who needs a visit, who, has, who you suspect hasn't had a visit in a while, um, to please let us know, to please call that, that name in um, because we're uh, finding fewer, fewer and fewer folks like that that have slipped through the cracks as we tighten up our practices. So, yes.
Thank you. And I, I try to get over to see him. There's, there's actually two folks at Bremen Home. And so I'll get over there every, every three or four weeks too. And those visits mean a lot to us too. Because you make these connections with, with people that we wouldn't know otherwise. People, we get people in communion. And the other thing that allows us to do is to connect many of those folks with Eucharistic visitors and with Sunday callers too. I know Ann will go see some of our folks on that list. And there's several of them that, um, that folks in Eucharistic visitor ministry have, have gotten to be very close friends with. Um, so, um, so that's really kind of in a, in a nutshell. Um, there's some things that we're working on in the coming year that I wanted to bring to your attention. Um, one of them is we're going to be forming a pastoral care task force in the new year, which will be a group of folks who gather together for a short time to look at our pastoral care work here, to see how it can be improved, to see what we need to do that we're, what we're, and to see what we're not doing, and to see what, um, what other things we might be doing um, out in the community as far as pastoral care goes. Some of you are probably going to be asked to be on the pastoral care task force. So please say yes when you are. It'll be fun, I promise. Um, and it'll be really meaningful work where you'll get to go visit places like respite care. You'll get to go on communion visits. You'll get to see firsthand um, what it is we're doing. Um, another thing that, that I'm very excited about, uh, two of our parishioners were trained in a, uh, a grief support uh group called Walking the Mourner's Path, and this is a um, grief uh, support community um, that was born out of the Episcopal Church and is based on Benedictine spirituality, which consists in regular daily prayer and things like having a rule of life, um, and we are going to be collaborating with St. Anne's Church and St. Dunstan's Church in doing our first Walking the Mourner's Path group, um, hopefully in February. And these groups can have at least eight and no more, I think, than 15 people. And there were, I think, about 10 folks from Atlanta who were trained uh, to be facilitators. So be looking for that. Um, the other thing that we're looking at is, um, and this is something the Pastoral Care Task Force will be looking at, um, and I'd call any of you who want to to take a look at this online um, is another Episcopal ministry called Community of Hope International, which is a, um, a lay pastoral care um, movement that um, helps empower and support lay pastoral caregivers. And in Community of Hope, you go through um, a 12-week, 12, uh, 12 meetings of training where you talk about grieving, um, special topics like, like aging and prayer and, and other things. Um, and then folks can take that, uh, those newly acquired skills and knowledge into whatever ministry they're doing or use them uh, to pursue a ministry that's on their heart within the church. So be looking for that um, as well. Um, do you all have any questions about pastoral care here at All Saints for me? Um, or, or any grievances? while we're here. I gotta be careful on that one because this is a church. People always have grievances. Um, yeah. I will say that looking at all your faces out here and, and um, we're a collection of all of our stories and we're a collection of all of our experiences and we're a collection of um, the various stages of life that we're all in. 
and all of us at one time or another need help. And you know, I think, I think humanity's greatest sin is the fact that we don't ask for help when we need it. Even if you go back to the Garden of Eden, you know, if, if all they'd done is just said, hey God, what's up with the tree? You know? And think, think how many times you have felt as if you needed help and you didn't ask for it. Because, you know, let's face it, we all come from that, that you know, Protestant stock that says, oh, stop your whining. You know, stop your complaining. We are all called by God to open our hearts to one another and to share our burdens with one another. I think it's a sin to carry a burden alone. You know, so if you are carrying a burden of grief or even um, some kind of sadness or even maybe a depression that you've had for a long time or, or anything at all, know that um, you have resources at your disposal and at, and at your community here at All Saints. You have people that you can call on here. You have one another, first of all. Um, but you also have clergy folk and staff folk who are called, and, and one of the most important parts, if not the most important part of what we do, is providing pastoral, pastoral care for one another and pastoral care for this world and this community. So just know that as you go out into your life. Um, one of the things that, that I, I don't enjoy this because it usually means there's unpleasantness involved, but you know, one of the things that we, we also do when, as a part of our normal pastoral care is um, we show up right before, we try to get there right before they take you back for surgery. Now, sometimes that gets interesting because the versed will be in the veins by the time I get there and people will start talking. <laughs> but, you know, you have confidentiality. Um, you have absolute confidentiality. Um, and, and, and know that, you know, we really... Uh, place huge importance on being with you during those vulnerable moments and those moments of transition in your life. Surgeries, deaths, loss of job, you know, loss of a marriage. Um, it's something that we uh, here as your uh, clergy staff and as your program staff, um, we take that part of our work probably the most serious of all of the work that we do here. Um, so just just know that um, as you go forth into your lives um, and, and call on us and especially call on one another. Um, care for each other. Um, the biggest advice I have for people um, in pastoral care is, is that uh, Donna Moat talked about this a couple of weeks ago um, and it's the saying that says um, don't just don't just do something, stand there. That really one of the most powerful things you can offer, and, and I know some of you have offered this before, is um, the ministry of presence. When you show up when someone is in crisis or someone is suffering uh, a really horrible loss, a death, um, an illness, um, it, it's not our jobs to come in and make anyone feel better. It's not our jobs to come in and, and, and to cure anything, but it's our jobs to come in and, and, and to help heal. And healing a lot of times means that someone shows up and, and from that moment on, you know that there is in some way gonna be someone walking next to you during this time. It might take, take 
form and take the form of, of visits. It might take the form of phone calls. It might take the form of a casserole. It might take the form of a card. But you have someone walking beside you during your time of need and during your time of transition and during your time of pain and grief. I don't know about you, but um, every time somebody comes up to me and asks me about my mom, that's someone else walking beside me and praying with me. It makes a huge difference. It doesn't cure her Parkinson's disease, but boy, it sure does provide a lot of healing, doesn't it? So that's really it, folks. Uh, care for one another, love one another, um, and, and help, help us by being a part of the pastoral care that we provide one another and the pastoral care that you empower us um, to be and to do for this community and world. Yes. Well, uh, Community of Hope is, is probably going to um, sit in the place of Befrienders. Um, Befrienders was a ministry that we had here probably 10, 15 years ago. And I don't really don't know what happened to it. I, it it, it kind of went away before I got here. And one of the things that the um, Pastoral Care Task Force is going to look at is uh, bringing back some kind of ministry like Befrienders or Stephen Ministry or Community of Hope. Wow. Yeah. I agree. I think that there's definitely a need for something like that here. And that's something that we're going to study and look at and, and hopefully revive through our pastoral care task force work this winter. Um, yes. Jocelyn, what's going on with that? Not yet. It's coming. Occasionally we do one-offs with, uh, like we did morning, evening, and noonday prayer at, um, on the ele election day over here. And we had uh, Facebook Live. But it's a lot more complicated than you know to stream. And so it's, that's going to be a part of an overall uh, improvement, revamping, beautification, what else would you call it, of our online presence. Yeah, is that right? But you know, that would be, that's, that's also pastoral care, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, sir. I agree.
Yep. I think there's a lot of wonderful possibilities that, that we have, even just via technology. Yeah. I mean, so much of our pastoral care right now takes is better um, because of technology. But understand that we, uh, sometimes people will say, thanks for the email, you don't need to call. Um, but we don't think that just an email to you is enough ever. That personal connection is very important to us. So if one of us, so if I ever call you and say, hey, give me a call so we can, I can hear about what happened, you know, call me back. It's fine. I, I do a lot of my pastoral care calls in the early evening, like between five and seven. Because, I mean, pe- people can't always take time out of their work schedule to talk. Or it, it somet- sometimes there might be something very emotional and you, don't, you might be right in the middle of something. So um, usually you can expect calls from us, from me between five and seven, sometimes during lunch hour too. Um, Anything else? Comments? Questions? So, um, Harriet, you'll be around. Did everybody get a brochure? Or do we have brochures around? And um, I'll be, I've got a few minutes if you want to come talk to me. Um, But thank you so much for your attention. And I look forward to um, our continuing ministry together in pastoral care.